With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Duke fans. This is episode 266 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I swear, we actually talk about basketball, but it seems lately we haven't had any basketball to discuss. And if you're looking for this episode to be about basketball, sorry, it's not. It's Saturday, June 2nd, or not June 2nd, January 2nd. We are in 2021. And Duke what what month to, is it? What it, month is it? it it's, you know what? I'm just trying to fast forward uh, through the season, I guess. Uh, Duke was supposed to play Florida State this evening, but that game has been postponed due to COVID issues in the FSU program. There's a lot of uh, other stuff that within that game that we have to talk about. Before we get into that, though, Donald Wine here, your host for this episode. Happy New Year to everyone. I have both Sam Klein and Jason Evans with me this morning. Sam, we missed you the other day, but it turns out you didn't really miss a thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I listened to the episode in preparation for the game. I, today's Saturday. The game was supposed to be tonight. I listened yesterday when you guys put the show out that I couldn't be a part of. And so I was all ready. I felt like I was I was ready to watch the game. I had all of your analysis, which was great. And I had all of Jason's rants, which were also great. And lo and behold, no game. So uh, I'm, I'm prepared with all this knowledge that I can't use. Well, we're going to use that knowledge in just a second. But Jason, good morning to you as well. Again, our rant on, on what was that, Tuesday or Wednesday? What was it, Wednesday or Thursday? I don't remember what day it was. It seemed to be it was way too far in the past because now it's all for naught. But I do appreciate your rants. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, you can take my comments from, I think it was Thursday. Thursday, Wednesday, yeah. th- whatever day it was. Take my comments, reset them, play them again. I am now in the put the season on pause mode. And by the way, folks, I want everyone to note, we work really hard. We work really hard in the off season to come up with filler content, stuff that'll get us through the time when we don't have basketball games. And this gig is supposed to be easy when Duke is in season. You watch the games, you come on, and you talk about it. Come on, guys. Can we play a game so we can have an easy podcast, please? You would think that this is 2020 with the way this year started because we're starting the same way we ended last year, which is with no basketball. So let's just get right to it. We'll bring everybody up to speed. Last night, again, this is Saturday, January 2nd, when we record. So last night on New Year's Day, uh, in the span of about an hour late during the late uh, the, the Sugar Bowl game, we first received word that Coach K did not make the, Tallahassee, make the trip to Tallahassee for the game. He and Mickey K were both quarantining after coming into close contact with a person outside of the program that tested positive for COVID. So first of all, we hope both of them are okay. We hope uh, that they test negative and that everything is on the up and up for them. Uh, we're very, obviously we're, we're behind them with doing that. The team did make the trip to Tallahassee without them and they were prepared to play with associate head coach, John Shire leading the team in coach K's absence. Then about an hour later, all of that came to be for not as the ACC announced that this game had been postponed due to COVID issues within the Florida state program. That is the second straight game this week that has been postponed due to COVID issues. I think at this point, we now have more games postponed than we have played uh, this season. So, actually, actually to, to be accurate, so we have we should be have played we should have played ten games at this point, and we've played but five. but we have only played five. So technically, we've had five postponed, canceled, whatever you want to call it. But it's sort of it's sort of six because one of them got re- the Gardner Webb ga- game, or which was supposed to start the season, got rescheduled, and then the reschedule got canceled. So I guess. Are we batting 500 or less? It's, it's we're not batting 1,000. Let's put it that way. We knew we oh, weren't no. going to bat 1,000, but <laughs> I mean, even baseball, we'd have a trouble getting a contract with this with this uh, lineup right here. But uh, So really, at this point, if Duke plays on Wednesday against Boston College, and we can only say if at this point, it will be three weeks between games for the Blue Devils. They last played against Notre Dame on December 16th. So Sam, since you weren't on the last episode, I know you have a lot to talk about with regards to this. So what do you make of all of this? The big picture that I want to start with is the rule that the NCAA, I think, instituted at the beginning of the season that you have to play, I think it's a minimum of 13 games to make it to the NCAA tournament. And I liken what's happening now to for the canceled games to every team is, is currently playing Yahtzee, which is a game of mostly chance and a very tiny amount of skill where you or it's basically just luck where you roll the dice you pick which of the which of the Yahtzee types you are going to take you know for each of the uh, for each turn that you take and you're trying to maximize your point total most of it is luck a little bit of it is is knowing the numbers and and playing them correctly that is pretty much where we are with every program in college basketball at this point they are all rolling the dice every week to see whether or not they have covid or whether their opponents have covid and then going forward they can do a little bit to isolate themselves, to make sure like Duke is doing, like many programs are doing, to keep themselves away from, from other people in their communities to prevent the spread. The, the universities are doing this, the, the athletic departments and the, and the teams specifically are doing this, but mostly it's just, a, it's just a game of chance. 
Duke has now had two of their first three conference games canceled or postponed, I guess, because of COVID issues at the other program. The first being Pittsburgh and the second being Florida State. Is Duke going to get to play 13 games before the end of the season? I, I don't know. Hey, hey Sam, actually, I, I've done the math on this. So we have 17 games left on our schedule, technically. Um, I, you know, not can not including the ones that have been postponed, but not canceled. So technically 17 games left. We need to play eight of those games to get to 13 games because we've only played five. So that's, you know, we have to play right at 50% and we've canceled right at 50% of our games right now or not canceled, postponed, however the hell you want to talk haven't about been it. Played as we scheduled. have only, they have not been played as scheduled. Correct. So if we continue on this pace of getting about 50% in, we will get to exactly 13 and that's, games. And, that's, and, and 13 is way less than than teams normally play in a regular season. When they announced that number, I was like, all right, I get that they're putting that limit in place, but no one's actually going to get close to that limit if teams and, and programs are doing what they need to to prevent spread. Maybe they'll have a week of games canceled here and there, so that might add up to two games. You know, a, a week is is notionally two games. Two games here, two games there, two games there. If you cancel four weeks of the season, you're only losing eight games. And it's possible that Duke is not even going to make it to that bare minimum threshold. So, Sam, I'm glad you started with this because that was literally the first set of notes that I had about this. Because looking at the comments, uh, first of all, the, the, I, I'm taking out the wild, wild crazy ones because they're wild crazy. We know we're what not talking. Are. We're not talking about the we're about not talking about the, the, the big time haters, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no. So, but the thing about it was the number 13 came up a lot because simple math, right? We, we've played five. We need eight to get that minimum. And as Jason said, we have 17 games left that have not, that, that are still on our schedule, not counting the two that have been postponed this week. So, you know, my, my crazy math says that you have to do about half of those games, play half of them to, to get to the minimum number. And so far this year, as we just mentioned, we've played half of our scheduled games. So the issue is, and we talked about this when the schedule came out back in October, the ACC has not built in a lot of wiggle room with a lot of cancellations. We're not the only team that's getting all these cancellations. So the question is going to be, how do they make this schedule work with the compressed time frame that we have left and play all the games that we are already going to play? By my count, I think we only have two weeks uh, or two weeks where we have only one game. So, and, and that doesn't necessarily line up with our opponent where they may have two or three games already that week. So it's not like we could just throw plug a game in right there. So this is a real big problem. And as we've been saying before, they didn't address this back in October and now they're going to have to deal with it. You guys remember a few years ago when Duke had a game against North Carolina postponed because of a snowstorm. The roads were so bad. This was the snowmageddon in, in the triangle. The roads were so bad that Duke didn't want to take the bus ride, the short bus ride from Durham to Chapel Hill. There was the there was the silly section of Twitter that was criticizing them for it, but everyone else was saying, get off the roads. You should not be traveling in the triangle tonight. It's dangerous. We don't have snowplows, etc." <laughs> it wasn't that we were like, hey, this is unsafe. It became unsafe because the bus never made it. So like right. the bus was so, coming to pick the team up and they never made it. And the team was like, look, this is clearly an issue. Unless the basketball team had acquired cross-country skis that afternoon, they were not making it to Chapel Hill. So they postponed the game by a week or two, and it was a whole thing where 
Duke was going to have to play like three games in five days. Oh my God, they're not going to have enough time to rest. They're not going to have time to game plan. It's going to be such a disaster. It worked out like fine for Duke. I think they ended up winning the game, which is sort of beside the point, but like everything was fine. And this was one game where there was lots of going back and forth. How are they going to fairly reschedule this? We didn't build the schedule to have these extra off days like you were talking about, Donald. And now Duke's already had two conference games uh, postponed that they're going to have to make up. And there isn't, you know, Jason, I think at the beginning of the season was talking about, oh, they've built in these extra days in the schedule to work this out. That doesn't work if if we're rescheduling four or five or six games for every team because they're constantly going to be having to fly back and forth, get only a day off, maybe not have any days off to get all these games in. And I just don't know how feasible that is. One of the things to note about the ACC schedule was there were lots of weeks where they said, oh, this game will be played on Tuesday or Wednesday or Wednesday or Thursday. And I, I fully believe that that is because they're going to try to to make up games by playing them like one game on Tuesday and then they'll add in a game on Thursday. So they it's sort of a flexible schedule. But they've already, for at least for Duke, we had a few of those already. Those have already been scheduled for different dates because those dates, I know we were talking about it, it ended up being for TV purposes. And a lot of those Tuesday or Wednesday type of deals have already been scheduled. This, this BC game was one of them. Last week, the Pitt game was supposed to be one of them, but it ended up being postponed. Right, but I'm just saying it, it gives them some flexibility that they may try and do this. But the reality is, if they are smart, they will do what I've been saying for several days now. Put the damn season on pause. There is no magic to playing the NCAA tournament in the month of March. There just isn't. And, and we should put the season on pause and push everything back, give teams time to recover from this. I mean, my God, again, I said this the other day, but students haven't even come back to campus yet. How bad is this going to be when students come back to campus? Jason, you were talking about how there's no magic to them necessarily playing in March. They could play the tournament in May or June, and they would still get most of the same effect. Look at how hard college football worked to get the college football playoff to stay at its normal time, right? They played the two semifinal games yesterday. Today's the second. They played the two semifinal games on the first, which is as scheduled. And to do it, they had to include a team in Ohio State that only played six games prior to the the college football playoff. And if you want to make a comparison to what's going to happen to the basketball tournament, look at all the teeth gnashing that went into Ohio State getting chosen over some other teams that I, I don't want to get into the merits of different college football programs and whether they deserve to be in the top four or not. But look at look at how much anger there was about, about that decision-making and then take that out to a basketball season where some teams are only going to play 13 games, some are going to play 15 or 20 or 25, and having to seed a whole 68-team tournament out of that the the uproar and the anger is going to be so much louder and coming from so many different disparate voices around the country that the NCAA is just going to feel an immense amount of pressure to get the thing right. And they're not going to because in a normal year, three or four programs get upset about where they got sent or if they made the tournament at all. This year, everyone's going to be upset. Everyone's going to say, oh, well, we didn't get to play all these games or we didn't play enough games or, or we're tired because we've played all these extra games and done all this extra scheduling. No one's going to be happy come tournament time with either the way that they were seated or, or how they got there or, or the state of their team versus their opponents. Also, Sam, you mentioned college football. The one thing that you forgot is that to do all of this, 
the NCAA moved the Rose Bowl from the Rose Bowl to Jerry World. Why? Not because it was safer there, but because they wanted to have fans and the, and the players and the teams wanted to have their families come. And so they basically said, okay, we're going to make sure that we can have our families there instead of playing it in LA where no one can have attend any, any football games or any sporting events for that matter. So they're moving things, but they're doing it for money involvement. And it's not necessarily for the safety concerns. And mind you, that is a big deal because the Rose Bowl has only ever not been in the Rose Bowl one other time. That was in 1942 when it was at Wallace Wade Stadium because of World War II, and they didn't want to have any sporting events on the West Coast. So that was a major deal that they did that, and they didn't do that for safety concerns. They did that for money. Hey, hey guys, so I got a question for you. Duke was scheduled to play eight games, eight ACC games this month, the month of January. What's the over-under? If I said to you three, are you going higher or do you think Duke will play more or less than three games? I'll make it 3.5. So it's so not exactly three. 3.5 is my over under. Are you going over or under 3.5 games this month, Donald? I'm going to go push. Why am I going to go? Push? Three. You can't go push on 3.5. Here's, Here's why. The game's <laughs> going to get canceled at halftime. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I honestly think that would happen if someone was like, yo, because like, we've seen this happen in other games. Like we've seen where like, you know, in football where guys like, hey, in the third quarter, like, oh, by the way, homeboy over here that's been playing the whole game. He tested positive at, like in the first quarter. So he's got to go. And if that happens in basketball, they're shutting the game down. Donald thinks that what's going to happen to a Duke game is what almost happened in the final game of the World Series when Justin Turner got pulled out of the game in the eighth inning, if Justin Turner's positive test had come back in the third inning and he had gotten pulled out and then there started to be, there was enough time during the game to have like discussions about it. You could have seen him get pulled in the second or third inning and then the game get canceled in the fifth and then they wouldn't have been able to come back and play for a few more days. So that that's, I think the scenario that Donald is looking at. And and, Jason. and also you have Des Bryant and the, and the Ravens and like a couple of times where we've seen guys like, they're like, oh yeah, his test was inconclusive. He can play. And then like in the third quarter, like, by the way, he shouldn't have been playing this whole time. It, it, tests, it tests the positive. Jason, I thought that your initial pick of over under three games was as you were setting up the scenario, I was thinking it's going to be three games. And you said three, and I was going to say push to that. So now that you've gone 3.5, I'm going to take the under and say that Duke is only going to play three games. We don't think that anyone in the Duke program right now is testing positive. We know that Coach K, as, as you mentioned at the top, is is under a quarantine protocol with his wife. But as far as we know, the team can still function with Coach K staying home for a couple of weeks if he needs to. If he's actually sick or if or if other members of the program are sick and they have to sit out, that then takes three games possibly down to zero or one because it, it takes a while to get all everybody healthy again and back testing negative. That that can take a couple of weeks in and of itself, ignoring everything that happens with opponents. Think about this scenario. So let's say, uh, when does the ACC start jumbling games together? And by that, I mean the Virginia-Virginia Tech game was canceled today, Saturday, as well. The, the Duke-Florida State game, not the only ACC game off the schedule today. Virginia-Virginia Tech also off the schedule because of a positive test within the Virginia program. Not one of the players, but I believe one of the support staff. When does the ACC start to go, hey, you know what? Duke is clear. Florida State is not. Virginia Tech is clear. Virginia is not. Let's let's have Duke and Virginia Tech play. Hey, Duke, we know you're down in Tallahassee. We know you flew down to Tally. Hey, jet up to Blacksburg. Get up there really fast. I know you haven't prepared for them at all, but 
go ahead and play Virginia Tech now because you two teams are both able to play. Do you guys think that scenario ever starts to happen? And how much will that make Coach K's head explode? Because he hates that kind of thing. First of all, I don't see that happening as it did in football because football, they were giving teams like a few days. Like, you know, we we had to go through it with the game against Virginia being moved up like two months uh, to be played when they had COVID issues. Uh, But I think when it comes – and it's easier to do that in football because – guys don't travel they were making those arrangements earlier but i think the only way i could see that scenario happening is if two teams are in the triangle area or 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 just in north carolina right like if you know we're supposed to play wake and someone else was supposed to play nc state and you know those two games got postponed and like all right you know hey duke you're still in durham whoever was playing nc state you know just travel up to durham and play them instead i could see that happening but the problem is I don't know where on the schedule that would be feasible to do all the time. And again, it would have to have the stars line up where those teams happen to be in the same area. I don't think they're going to have teams jumping back on planes to jump back to somewhere else on, you know, less than 24 hours notice like we would have here. Because some people were saying, hey, just have them come home and play North Carolina. I'm like, yeah, sure. The ACC is never going to do that. Like, why would they have that marquee game? In January, they, there's a reason why they schedule those games. So uh, I don't see that happening as much in football or in basketball because a lot of the traveling is just like so like these are happening last minute. It's not like they're happening well days in advance. Given Coach K's general reluctance about playing this season, you could see a decision like that that we know would anger him, causing him to just take his ball and go home and say, look, w- we can't play under these conditions. We can't send the guys out there without getting to practice uh, for the specific opponents. We can't be forcing our our staff to be traveling all over the place and and doing these things at a a moment's notice just so we can play some games that at the end of the day really don't matter for anything. So I I could see Coach K being fed up with it. What I haven't really seen yet, and maybe you guys have, have heard more quotes about this, is other ACC coaches who are getting frustrated with the way that the schedule is is turning over and changing so much because I don't think that Coach K alone would cancel the ACC season but if four or five coaches among them Coach K, Roy Williams, Leonard Hamilton, Jim Beheim, kind of the the old guard guys if they are all together and saying this is silly why are we doing this then you could actually see the the season getting uh, paused or or postponed in some way. It's, it's funny you mentioned that is because I've noticed this and it, and you guys tell me if you've noticed this as well. I've seen not a lot from the coaches in the ACC. Unlike what we were hearing before the season was starting, a lot of them are very outspoken and vocal about having the tournament be, you know, all 351 teams that are eligible or whatever it is and having, you know, the ACC being a, a ACC conference schedule only. They had been very outspoken about that, but now they're very quiet. And it's interesting because Coach K is still speaking out about stuff like this, and he's taking all the flack for it. Duke is taking all the flack for it. And it, it seems to me that because their, their silence is in action, but also their silence is letting Coach K be out in front of this. Like, letting, like, I feel like, yes, Coach K is probably the person who can move mountains most in college basketball, but you can't move mountains by yourself. You need someone to help you. And the problem is I don't see these coaches backing them up. They like quietly, they're kind of like, yeah, you know, coach K is right. He's been saying this all, all year. Like Beheim has been like, you know, sort of like saying, yeah, guys don't, you know, don't take it out on coach K. It's not because a B and C is he's been saying this the whole time, but they haven't been saying, I agree with coach K or saying, yo, coach K is right. Or, yo, Hey, 
we are all in the same position. They're just kind of letting him stand out front on this, but he's staying out front alone. And even the greatest of all time needs to have backup. And I'm surprised that the ACC coaches haven't been more outspoken one way or the other on this, because the only ones we hear about are the haters and outside of the conference. We haven't heard from the ACC coaches yet. I, I want to point out really quick something truly absurd that has happened with all of this, which is that Duke traveled to Tallahassee for the game. Duke got on a plane. They left their bubble on campus. They got on a plane. They stayed in a strange hotel for nothing. They did not get to play Florida State. And Florida State, by the way, has a little bit of a history of this. They canceled a football game at the last minute as well. Remember, it really pissed off Dabo Swinney. He was, you know, Clemson had come to town to FSU for a game and Florida State canceled it at the last minute the same way they did to Duke this time. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming Florida State. I totally get that they have to do the, the testing as late as possible to ensure players are clean as, you know, as close to game time as you possibly can. But there's just got to be, we got to figure out a better system than putting these players and the traveling party in danger by putting them on a plane and having them stay in a hotel for no reason. Coach K, I, I'm sure, is absolutely furious about this. And a piece of me wonders, when did FSU do their testing and how long did it take to get the test results back? Because I wouldn't be surprised if FSU did their testing like Friday morning and it took all day into the evening to get the test result back. And so by then it was too late and Duke had already traveled. And, and, and I wonder if there's a, is there a way the ACC can get better at this so teams aren't traveling to canceled locations because we should restrict travel as much as possible. They should be sequestering the players after their last and the coaches after their most recent test before the game. So if the last test is going to be Thursday morning, quarantine them wherever the Florida State players are living in their dorm rooms and hotels, whatever it is. Just leave them there after their last test so that at least you know they haven't had any further contact since then. You don't have them in quarantine all the time. You may only have them for one, two, three days a week, but they have to do something because, as you said, Jason, it's a it's a huge strain on everyone's resources and time to to, to make this thing not work. Well, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. That's the problem. It, yeah. Resources, time, yes, but it is dangerous, and that's the big concern. And they played, was it Clemson, on Tuesday night, so – it's not like they've been sitting at home like us for a couple of weeks. They they've been playing basketball. So between the Clemson game where theoretically everyone was fine and Friday, you know, something happened and it, or even something may have happened before Clemson because you know, we all don't know how this virus works. It could be two days. It could be 14 days. It could be longer. So I, I think when it comes to this is everyone has different standards. We, Jason, we talked about this on the last episode. Everyone having different standards is really killing this college basketball experience. And it make it honestly, it makes it to a point, not fun. There's times where we're sitting here and I'm talking to my best friends and we're like, this sucks. Like we, like, I know the players are preparing for this, but like fans are doing it too. We're clearing our schedule because this is the one bit of excitement that we get every week. Cause we're all at home uh, in our various bubbles. And then th- that bubble is burst for all of us too. And that's what makes people lash out at the fact that Duke is doing certain testing and Louisville's doing another set of testing and Florida state's doing another set of testing. And the fact that even within a conference, you have 15 teams and 15 different testing procedures is asinine. And the fact that, again, I go back to the fact that no one's leading on this. So coach K has to say something. And then coach K gets vilified for saying something that probably is true. And no one wants to defend him on that. No one wants to back him up on it, except for Duke people. And that really, that really is disheartening. 
this whole thing is disheartening. We should be having standardized testing. We should have, hey, if this is this procedure, if you guys aren't following this procedure, you're not playing basketball. Duke women saw that. They opted out. And now you're seeing guys who have not played in three weeks, and people only thing that people are talking about is Coach K is trying to sell, sell out the season. And I'm like, this is not happening, guys. Like, no one's really listening to you know anything beyond six inches from their face, and it really is disheartening, and it bursts the bubble for even us as we prepare to watch these games and talk about them. We have to come on here and talk about this. Hey, hey Donald, uh, I'm going to take over as host for a moment. Uh, I know that we have to take a commercial break, but after the break, I, I want to tell you guys, I think we learned something important about the Duke coaching staff as a result of this craziness that's going on. And I'm going to tell you about it after the break. Okay, guys, we're back. We're still talking about basketball that's not playing. But, you know, before the break, Jason teased us about uh, a little thing on the coaching staff uh, (laughs) that we need to consider when we're approaching all this. So, Jason, take it away. Yeah. So uh, the interesting thing that came out just before the game got canceled was that, you know, Coach K said he was in quarantine. And obviously we we hope that he and Mickey are are, um, everything's going to be fine. And and (laughs) I can't even tell you how worried I was when I first saw that news. But. The interesting thing to me that happened was they said John Shire will take over as acting head coach in Coach K's absence. I want to point out, Nate James has actually been in the program longer than John Shire has. And we sort of didn't know between John and Nate, you know, who was next up, so to speak. I don't feel like we we had an answer to that. And I think we now have an answer. And it's worth pointing out, um, Coach K has missed games, you know, I don't want to say regularly, but but this is not an unusual thing to happen. Um, he, he missed close to a month, remember, in 2017 with, with back surgery. Jeff Capel took over during that time. Capel took over when he missed the Georgia Tech game in 2016. Um, and in 2018, he missed a game. He, he just was sick one day, and he missed a game against Wake. And again, Capel took over. But Capel's now gone, and so we didn't know who was sort of the next guy up. And I just think it's interesting and worth noting that John Shire was the guy that Coach K said will be the acting head coach Again, even though Nate has been in the and program. Longer. Honestly, I'm not surprised at that. And it's not anything about uh, the trajectory of Nate James. I think it has a lot to do with the trajectory of John Shire. And he's elevated up the ranks very quickly. He's a guy that, as we've no- talked about in the past, he's been looked at by different programs for them to for him to take over their program at a certain point. Uh, he's remained at Duke so far. Nate, uh, I mean, Nolan Smith is also a guy I remember we, he interviewed with Memphis uh, as an assistant coach in the offseason, decided to stay at Duke. Nate James has had, I think, a couple of assistant coach interviews as well. So the brand is strong when it comes to our assistant coaching tree and, and the Coach K coaching tree. But I will say in the past, like Shire has been taking a lot of those interviews that you see at halftime during the NCAA tournament that Coach K does not do, uh, or even the ones during the regular season when he does them. Uh, it's Coach K, but if, if he doesn't have to do it, he usually delegates that to John Shire. We've seen Nate James on occasion do that. but uh, So I'm not surprised at that, and I don't think – I think the good thing is I think everyone within that coaching tree understands the the who's in charge and who's in charge of what, and it would have been next man up, just like, you know, just like these guys were when they played here. I'm not surprised that John Shire was sort of next in line because, I like Donald was saying, I feel like he's just gotten more hype as a – future head coach, which is not to say that Nate James won't. It's just he may not want to or, or be ready for it yet. 
So uh, two other little, little things before we get done with all this. I want to point out, by the way, um, one of the crazy things about all these cancellations is Jalen Johnson isn't missing many games. <laughs> Dude could be out for a whole month, and the only game that he might miss is the Notre Dame game. So that, I guess that's kind of a, a little bit of a silver lining and all this stuff. And the last thing I wanted to ask you guys, you know, in terms of the ACC, what do you think the ACC does if we have a truly unbalanced schedule in terms of picking out seedings? And by this, I mean, let's say that Duke is eight and two and Clemson is 10 and three. So Duke has a higher winning percentage because I think, you know, by the way, I think teams, you're not going to get teams to play the same number of games. I just, I can't imagine they're going to get all the games in. So if you don't play the same number of games, you know, what if you do Duke is eight and two Clemson is 10 and three Duke has a higher winning percentage, but in terms of, you know, wins and losses and the such Duke is Clemson's technically ahead because they have two more wins and one only one more loss. So, you know, like in, if you look at the standings in the newspaper, Clemson would be a half a game ahead of Duke technically uh, any, <laughs> what do you think the ACC should do in one of these situations? And then the other part of this is what should the ACC do if, if someone doesn't get to play everybody, you got to play 15 games to play everyone in the conference once. I think it's very possible that you're going to have teams that don't play each other in the conference. It's crazy. So the haters are going to tell you that the ACC is going to follow the playbook from the Big Ten and they're just going to vote Duke number one seed and everything, which if they do that, fine, I'll take it. But the honest answer is the ACC is going to do absolutely nothing about it. They are going to look at the standings. They're going to say, how does this work? Uh, oh, you guys are eight and one. This team is, you know, 15 and two. Eight and one wins, and and that's how they're going to do it because they have not proven to be front runners when it comes to setting any kind of standard. And I think in the absence of any standard, they're just going to go with what's already out there. It sucks. That, that's the the long and short of it. There is not a good way to to determine who is who is best in this situation. So whatever you you play the teams that are in front of you. I think that the the best argument that that like Ohio State has on getting into the college football playoff and then they hammered it home yesterday by actually winning their game, but you play the teams that are in front of you, you can't affect the overall way the schedule is is shaking out and and the way that the cancellations are going. So win the games in front of you and you will get a better seat. This would be the point where we say, "Okay, now that we're not playing this game tonight, let's preview the next game against Boston College," but we are smarter gentlemen than that. We have learned from the past, uh, we are going to postpone that preview until early next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Look out for an episode from us on that because we want to make sure this game gets played, uh, and we want to take the weekend to kind of you know, let this let this occur and see what comes out of it. But before we close, I did want to make a note on the women's basketball side. Duke women's basketball got a big deal transfer yesterday. Naya Green, who was the top twenty-five recruit in the class of twenty nineteen, announced that she is transferring from Louisville to Duke. Uh, Green announced that she was leaving Louisville back on December 16th is a very high profile transfer. She's known for her ability to create open space off the ball and score. She was a highly tattered recruit when she graduated. She redshirted one year and had been uh, getting a little spot duty this year for the number two Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Jason, I go to you. Uh, I know you saw this news as well. What is your take on this? Again, I think this is one of the biggest recruits we've had on the Duke women's side in quite a while. Yeah, and I think it's a sign of, uh, of how Kara Lawson is going to be really successful at recruiting, at bringing in elite kind of players, that, that Kara has the kind of profile, the kind of personality that's going to be very attractive to them. Nia Green was a McDonald's All-American, and, and like you said, you know, top 20, top 25 recruit, a really athletic guard who manufactures a lot of you know, mid-range kind of game and uses her, her physical body to be able to get to the rim. Um, which is something, you know, she's 
I think she's going to be a scorer at the college level, which is something Duke sorely needs. Um, it is really interesting that she redshirted for a year and then wasn't playing a ton for Louisville's a really good team and an experienced team. Um, so, you know, she, she wasn't getting a lot of run for them and, you know, clearly I guess it wasn't working out for her great at Louisville, which is why she's looking for greener pastures elsewhere. But, um, there, there is no question with a recruit of this kind of profile that, that she was going to have a lot of suitors out there. And, and it's a big deal for Duke to have won this, this recruiting battle. We have fallen off in recruiting in recent years. I think it is really important that Kara is going to be able to point to Nia Green you know, and say, here is proof that top flight players, players who have pro potential, women's pro potential, want to come and play for me. Especially cool given that Duke was able to pull this off after having canceled their season, that that players from other programs are are interested in, in transferring in even even with that decision making. Maybe she talked to other women on the team and and realized that you know, she thought the same way about either pandemic or, or the way things are going right now in general to say, this is the group of people that I want to be with and I want to grow with over the next few years. Yeah. And, and honestly, that is even more uh, important to note, Sam, because she can play immediately. Remember, the NCAA has made it where all transfers are immediately eligible to play this year due to COVID. So she could have literally played uh, immediately. And it, it's telling that she chose a program that has opted out of the season. Uh, and so she, even though she's eligible to play, she obviously won't begin playing for the blue devils until next season. So uh, it's a really big get by Kara Lawson. It's a really big get for the program. And honestly, it's great to kind of see how that's going to shape up with, she has a whole semester to get to learn uh, her new teammates and really get to work together. I, I'm pretty sure that the team is going to continue practicing. They're just not going to play. They're not going to you know practice vigorously, uh, but they still have the practice time afforded to them. So uh, it's going to be great to get her into that mix in that way. Come next season, you have a team that's clicking on all cylinders and have, have gelled already and don't have to worry about the summer uh, to, to get people acclimated to the process. They're, they're bringing people in now. So a uh, great get by the program. And also, you know, great that they are really going after this even in the absence of not deciding not to play games they're still continuing on to better the program and, and put her and care putting her her stamp on this program and that will do it for episode 266 of the duke basketball report podcast like i mentioned we will be back early next week probably monday or tuesday to hopefully preview the boston college game and of course if there's any news that drops over the weekend we'll be all over that but until then don't forget to like, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Send us emails. We got a nice one from my boy, uh, Stefan Kretschmer, class of 04, the greatest class in Duke history, uh, wishing us a happy 2021. And we extend the same wishes to you guys as well. Uh, but until next time, for Sam Klein and Jason Evans, I am Donald Wine. Thanks for listening. And Duke Band, take us home.